and you can live in the day. So do you know what an altcoin is? Yeah. yeah. So what, I, did you invest in? Yeah, I, I invest Doge coin. Oh, Dogecoin. <laughs> That's quite a meme. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So uh, I, I invested when it was like 0.004 and then it's been rising nonstop and it's at mm-hmm. one cent now. Yeah. Nice. So I have 30,000 Doge. <laughs> Do, is That's, it Doge? Doge. I think it's, they pronounce it Doge. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. It's based off of a dog. Like the Shibu Inu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a meme, but yeah, it like it does rise. Well, that's why that's why I, I invested in it. Because it's <laughs> like, well, wait, a meme is not going to fail. And especially if it's backed by Elon Musk. Fair enough, I guess. I mean, what? How could that go wrong? So he <laughs> he he tweets about it all the time, right? Yeah, Bitcoin's been going up a lot though, so I think everyone else is following as well. Exactly. What about um, um, conventional stocks? Do you invest in those as well? Yeah, so I I have everything else in um, ETFs. Mm-hmm. Do you have ARK ETF? Have you invested in ARK Invest? ARK? A-R-C? A-R-K-K. Oh, no. What's that? Um, I would suggest you look into it. If I could, I would invest in them. But I'm not allowed in the EU because of regulations. A-R-K-K? Yeah, A-R-K-K. Innovation? Yeah. They have made pretty absurd calls before, and they have all been correct. Like, they actually know what they're doing. They've got a good history. history. Yeah, yeah, a very good history. And they pick really innovative companies and they really do their research. So if I could, as as I said, I would invest in ArcG, which is genomics. And that's going to, that should get pretty big in the next few years. Well, I'll put on my ETF list. Yeah. Yeah, every month now, I'm putting money away into ETFs. Mm-hmm. So, long term. Long term. Uh, I wish I knew about it a while ago. Yeah, I'm happy I started investing from 18. And yeah, seen substantial gains. Good for you, really man. Do you, what do you use? Robinhood? Uh, no, it's not available here. It's a brokerage called. I call it Degaro, but I think the actual pronunciation is the driver. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I'm so sad that I don't live in the US for investment purposes because oh, wow. there's so many regulations here. There's That's a lot of things that you cannot do. In terms of, for investing, the US, there's a lot more opportunities in, in that space. Whereas in the EU, it's very regulated. You can't do a lot of things. <clears throat> All right, man. I'll put something into these arcs. I suggest I don't know, you do. I think potentially uh, Arthur might know about it because, yeah. Yeah, I think we talk about it all the time. Ask Arthur if he knows about Ark. Um, I think he may do. Do you want me to see if he wants to jump on? 
could do if he's available. But do we do this episode about fear or do we, yeah, or do we do something else? Let's add this investing part. Two beginner investors talking about investments. Maybe not ideal. I don't know. I'm excited about it because, you know, in 20 years, if I keep a monthly, a monthly, I wish someone had told me this when I was, when I, or I wish my parents knew about this. You know, so maybe we can, maybe we can share the word. Okay, fair enough. Right. If you put $100 a month into an ETF like SPY or VU, right, a a solid Mm -hmm. guaranteed, at least in the U.S., right, you know, you're going to, you're going to see something in 20 years, in 30 years, and $100 a month isn't going to be more than, I don't know, 150000 but hey, there's a thing out there that is generating money for you instead of your bank account. And your bank account is not doing as well, your savings even, <clears throat> because of inflation, right? As much as the stock market. So to me, I only see the stock market, let's see, three ways. I see it as um, day trading, right? Just knowing a company, taking a huge risk, um, having capital, so having 20,000 or more to invest and then sell maybe in a day, two days, three days when it's gone up two, three, four dollars and right. And then you're out. So then there's, um, long-term, right. Um, ETFs, which are paying out dividends and it's all based on your deposit is compounding every month and you have compound interest yep so short-term long-term etf and then the individual companies maybe you know a company maybe you care about something um maybe you helped like you saw whole foods that you saw their mission like 10 years ago and you were like you know if, if they have stock i'm gonna just put a little bit in there right if you did that because you cared about it or knew enough about it, you would be doing very well right now because they were bought by Jeff Bezos, right? Mm -hmm. So those are the three ways I see it. And I've dabbled in each of those so far in my short two month education with Robinhood. And you know what Robinhood is? Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Well, so investing up, yeah. How did you? How did you find out? I mean, obviously, you you probably know more than I do, right? So, how did you learn about it? So, age sixteen, I uh, found out about Bitcoin, which is when I started doing research, and I wanted to invest when I was age seventeen, but because of regulations, I couldn't sign up for a exchange to buy Bitcoin until I was 18 years old, because every exchange would ask for like passport photos or other ways of proving identity. So I could only buy it once I turned 18. So that's why I done when I turned 18, um, put a lot of money into crypto. And, and so then since at, yeah. when you were, let me see, when you were, um, we have that here, cause it wasn't that long ago. Okay, Bitcoin's now at 32,000 a coin. Mm-hmm. So when you were, let's see, 
when I was first looking into it, it was around 600. 2017. Beginning um, of 2017, yeah. it was $912. So a bit before that. No, yeah. So August 2016, 571. So that's when so I started it, looking into it. It just jumped like crazy. And then it mm -hmm. 2017, 2000. So by the time, oh man, it was over 10 grand by the time you were. I still, I remember still gaining three times the money I put in. Um, and then it crashed. But yeah, since then, I've crash. just, yeah, I've just held it since then. And it's gone up even more than before now. It's at an all-time high. It's been yeah. at an all-time high for a week. Um, so this is what I was waiting for. Like I knew in the future it would go back up, so I didn't withdraw. And now I'm just going to keep holding with that. Yeah. Nice. What were you going to say? So you, you're going to let me borrow like a dollar if I need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But then there was another thing where last year I ended up saving up more money. Um, Actually, no, it would have been two years ago. And I had enough invest. I was satisfied with how much I had in crypto. And I wanted to start investing in conventional, conventional stocks. And the first thing I looked at was Tesla. And at the time, it was at $200. It had just dropped to, I think, $180 because people were thinking Tesla would go bankrupt. And there was negative news around it. And I believed in Elon Musk and his vision and the company's future. And I ended up putting quite a bit of money into that. And since then, it has gone up a lot, <laughs> over 15x what I put in. So that was pretty insane as well. And you're just sitting. Yeah. Just like Arthur, he's sitting. Yep. And I mean, a lot of people want to retire on these things they want or they want to make enough right then when you have it what i've been learning about wealth is and this could be like a an investment or a wealth podcast because this is important and and a lot of people might not think that wealth is important to me they'd be wrong wealth is is actually very important to me financial security is important and i learned that from none other than the monks who were actually masters at the stock market and oh, wow they turned a $0 operation into a $15 million operation in um, maybe 10 years. Mm -hmm. So maybe 15 years. Um, and uh, they, now they have a company manage everything for them, but um, you know, I, I would sit with my guru sometimes and talk about that. And, and he was real, he, he's real big into um, low risk, long-term, but you've got to, you've got to get that money. For example, you can't do day trading. You can't make a whole bunch of money without some money. Like unless you come up on one of those factors where it just jumps all of a sudden you know, you put in a hundred bucks at one point in Bitcoin. And then if you had held it now, right, you would be a multimillionaire or whatever. 
or whatever it would be. But for what I'm learning is like for day trading or for investing in stuff, you know, if you don't have enough to buy a healthy amount of shares, it's not going to be, it's not going to get you anything immediately. Right. There is a way to gamble very much not recommended, but just putting it out there, there are option contracts, which you can from a smaller amount of money, make a lot more money with them. Oh, really? Yes. But it is a lot higher risk as well. So it's higher risk, higher reward. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, so maybe you're, maybe there's a listener out there. Maybe they're a teenager. uh, Maybe they're in their twenties or maybe like me, they just got their first um, career and they're actually starting to make a decent amount of money. Um, Like my number one recommendation for myself is take a portion of that every month, go into an ETF, have a, a certain amount of money that's almost guaranteed, not guaranteed, but it's almost guaranteed, you know, to be there, to be something bigger than it is in 20 years. You know, it's not, it won't be anything until like 10 years, uh, the first 10 years, right. Um, you know, hardly anything, but then that compounds on the next 10 years and then, you know, 30 years, even better, right? For, obviously the, the longer you have that money in an ETF, the better. And then there's also dividends, right? That an ETF is going to pay out to you. So we were just talking about, and we were recording that, right? The ARC. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about ARC. I just saw that one of their dividends is like 0.07 or something, right? Real small. Other dividends are like a dollar fifty. And let's say you're, let's say you do have a big chunk of change. Those dividends could actually be like a salary. Yeah. If you had enough tens of thousands of dollars in the stock market, those payouts would be enough to like live on. Right. And that's what people are doing. Um, I can't remember exact numbers but i remember a statistic where it was around at an average uh dividend return uh with two million dollars you would make around sixty thousand a year so for perspective really i was thinking more okay i wasn't thinking that much had to be involved for just 60 I was th- okay, so I was thinking more, and, and I'm way off then. So I was thinking like a hundred grand or two hundred grand. No, I guess you're right. You would have to have. It wouldn't even be to like half a million till you got to like forty grand or thirty grand of dividend. And this Depends is all returns, assuming. Yeah. This is assuming yeah. like average six like to eight an average. I think less than that, uh, at most 5%, I believe. Oh, so the, 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 the ETFs I'm looking at are like guaranteed six to eight, maybe nine. But is that guaranteed over a long period of time? Because some companies tend to remove dividends sometimes, depending on the situation. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's, is that nothing? And that's the thing about the stock market that 
I don't know why. So there's a there's the stigma that it's it's dangerous, right? Like it's not a good idea. Like for example, I was talking to a guy at the corner store, the owner of the corner store, who's a good friend of mine, and um, him and his brother own these corner stores, right? They're good guys. They're hard workers. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take the money that I buy beer every month. And I'm actually going to invest that into the stock market. And he almost had a heart attack <laughs> and he was just yeah. like, just lost it. Like, no, it's a bad idea. You can't do that. And it's like, whoa, you know, and, and at this point I've researched enough to where I know that he's, he's either not understanding what I'm saying or, or he's just, doesn't understand the stock market and especially low risk long-term um, investments, which it's better to have in a, a long-term low risk stock or an ETF than it is a savings account. Yeah, for sure. I think but, the assumption is that people who invest in stocks, usually they say, if you're an average person, you think you need to be a professional in the stock market in order to right. make money. I think yes. that's the assumption. They don't think that they would be able to learn how to yeah, make money from the stock market. Because um, yes. there's all these Wall Street people, people on the news always giving advice. So you just, you leave it to the professionals, I guess, as an average person. Yeah. And then you, you look at like the ticker, you see all these numbers and plus <laughs> signs, minus signs, red, green. And you're like, Whoa, there's no way I could succeed at that. There's charts and graphs and mm -hmm. stuff, but it's like, we're in a world of apps and apps are breaking down complex subjects to normal everyday people. And they're making it approachable, but that's the other route, right? Like, um, go with a broker. Is yeah. that what you call it? Um, I think brokerage is where you actually buy the stocks. But what are you talking about? Like a like a you ha you have a, a a company help you or a bank or an investment firm. Yeah. So mutual funds is it yeah. mutual fund? I'm not sure exactly phrasing for it, but a fund. Yeah. Yeah. I think manages your money. And then what happens there is they take part of it, right? Because they helped you. Yeah. They're like, we'll take your money. We know well, this is our job to watch these things, to learn about them. So we'll take commission. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another route. Another over time, usually that commission really adds up and cuts off your like compounding interest profits. 100%. You're absolutely right. Whereas, what are you going to say? Uh, whereas if you just put that money into something like SPY, which is tracks the top 500 companies, the S&P 500. Um, over time, historically, I don't think any funds have beaten it over the long term. I think over a period of, I don't want to say 10 years. I think it's maybe like 15 to 20 years. I think no, 10 years is the typical, like, that's what they want to see was a consecutive payout to their people. Maybe it is 10 years because I don't want to state false statistics, but yeah, I believe oh, that yeah. no funds have beaten the S&P 500 over like a longer period of time. 
No, so you're right. Just, yeah. We can say we. Can, I mean, we've already said it, maybe, but we're not pros. I'm not. I mean, I just learned about this a couple months ago. Um, although I'm pretty smart, I'm doing pretty well. But you know, don't don't do anything foolish and don't take our advice. But um, obviously, Rokas is like a master at the stock market. I, I wish, no. <laughs> I've made good returns for it. No. If I start thinking I actually know what I'm doing, then I'll probably just lose all my money. So, so what are you what are you gonna do? Like uh you gonna you have like a you have plans for how to get out, you gotta pay taxes on on income. Oh and- taxes. I don't want to think about taxes. Yeah, I actually have to pay taxes on those investments because So that's a good thing to cover. Like what I know about yeah. taxes is short term day traders, they're gonna pay thirty seven percent. This is 35. in the U.S., by the way. In the U.S., yeah. thank you. In the U.S., they're going to pay 35. Uh, well, last night, my friend was just saying 35. I thought it was 37%, whatever, tax on the money that you make. If it's under a year, if it's over a year, right, that's a long-term, it's considered long-term capital gain, mm-hmm. and you pay a far less. Income, is it 10% uh, or 15%? I think it's like 10 to 15 yeah. Again, I was wrong on 37. I guess it's 35. So you pay far less if you're in that stock for at least a year. Um, but yeah, everyone's got to pay, right? Um, I don't know how you do that. I haven't gotten to that point yet. But yeah, Robinhood generates a tax form for you. Um, and then I guess if you use TurboTax, you got to you got to put that in interesting thing about what we were talking about last night with an investor friend of mine actually stopped by. We had um, him and his family stop by for the holidays. Um, He was saying that some people, they, they make a bunch of money and then in order to save on tax, you go into a risk with part of the money and then lose part of it. And that part that you lost is like a reversal of the part that you gained, right? <laughs> like <laughs> literally, right? <laughs> but in terms of tax, it actually improves your tax um, expenditures. Wow. Yeah. So he said what they'll do on purpose, let's say you make, he gave me a real easy example, right? He's like, let's say you make $5. And then you go into a risk with part of that $5, you lose half of it. So you don't get taxed on the $5 you got when you want, when you got it, you get taxed on the 250 that you got since you lost part of it within the same tax bracket, same tax timeline. So the thing is, there's a point in there where you're getting enough to where that loss of 250, right, is not just $2.50. And the win is not just $2.50. So you're making enough to where the loss isn't that big of a deal. And the tax, it's worth, I guess, it's an incentive enough for that for that um, tax break. I guess. <laughs> Again, just learned about that yesterday. So this isn't an investment podcast, but that's the thing. It's like, what the hell who cares just try it like don't be afraid of wealth my father um 
and we were talking about that last night, like, oh, if our fathers gave $100 a month from the time we were born, right, and do an ETF, and then here, son, you're, you're 20 years old, um, I'm releasing this ETF in your name, and it's like, that would be amazing, right? So yeah. maybe the birth of my child in, in like five days is, 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 is bringing up some of this, and that's why maybe I'm doing part of this. Um, which I am definitely now that I know what I know, but my father was against wealth. So I've talked to my dad since I've learned about the stock market. Like, Hey, have you ever done this? Why don't you know about this? Cause he's a really smart guy and he's against it. So I'm coming in from a, a training background from a parent who is, is against wealth. Mm-hmm. And first full circle on that wealth part like i'm not i don't i don't believe in what he believes in i don't i don't believe that wealth is bad i don't believe that capitalism is bad i don't believe that the amount of economic potential as citizens we have in america and in western developed countries is bad i think that's a good thing and i think the fact that there's this pie and if you know how to navigate through it you can do real well just like some of the top earners Mm -hmm. i think that's amazing instead of right the alternative which is just evenly distributed potential so instead of me being able to make ten dollars you know me and ten people each make one dollar right that's the, that's an even distribution of the $10. So I'm, I'm all for, if you've got the inspiration, motivation, hell, if you've got the good karma, if you've got, if you were born into a good family already, and you're already going to be a top percent one on uh, earner, one percenter. Great. Like some people are mad at that. Like my dad, my dad is, is hostile towards that capitalistic ideal. So is it because you're taking money from other people through the stock market in order to gain? Well, that's the thing. I mean, are you taking money? I would question that. Is that, is that his argument? Oh, is that his argument? Yeah. Good question. We'd have to ask him, um, what's his beef? You know, I don't know, like why. I think because, not because you take money from other people, I think he would say it's because it leaves people in the, in the dust. But, but again, I don't believe that, even if that were true of his belief. I don't believe that. And I think he would say that. I think he has said that. But... I don't think he's seeing the reality of that's that dust that gets generated is no one else's business. Like it's up to see, he doesn't have this belief of individual responsibility. And like this podcast is the definition of this podcast. Our ideology is individual responsibility, right? In all things. Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote a book called everything is your fault. 
right? Meaning everything is up to you. So just because someone else succeeds doesn't mean that you need to be negatively affected. And if you are, I'll, I'll agree with him for a second for the sake to play devil's advocate. Okay, so you are negatively affected by, so Rokas, <clears throat> you did well with something <clears throat> and for some reason it took things away from me. Okay, bring it. I'm going to find another thing that you're not looking at. You're not looking yeah. at Doge. <laughs> you're not paying attention indeed i'm not (laughs) so i'm gonna capitalize on that while you're you're looking at something else Mm -hmm. and the world is has so much novelty that there is no saturated market it's not real some some beverage companies say that the beer world is saturated oh so i can't open up a brewery there's already 10 breweries in this town but there's something in those breweries that they don't have, right? They don't have a certain style of beer that you could make and that you could offer to, to the people, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how do you feel about that, Rokas? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I see it as, you can even see it as building a business. It's like, I can't remember the statistic again, but so many businesses fail, let's say, within their first year. And yeah. the statistics for, I think, 90% of day traders fail. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's actually, I think, similar statistics to how long a business. Uh, Five years. It stays up. I think even for one year. Oh, actually, no. Okay, I'm not sure. But the failure rates are similar. And it's, it's I think, a lot of it is to do with how much work you and perseverance you put into it. If you take a lot of time to study the stock markets and put a lot of work into it that's similar to you putting a lot of your time into building a business and yeah through yes sir and for both methods you could see a substantial return in wealth i'm not sure what else to phrase it i mean you're right the key is um okay let's say you are going to take the leap and go against the statistics right as as an underdog it's the the system is the, the business, the entrepreneurship world is already against you statistically, right? If what you're saying is true, which what you're saying is true. If a restaurant makes it past the five-year mark, the chances of it succeeding long-term grow exponentially, right? Still not 100% ever, but that five-year mark for a restaurant, or maybe that's an old school. Maybe now it's a year. Maybe now it's even harder, right? But if you've if while you're doing that restaurant, right, you're kind of good at what you do, you, you have a good team, maybe you have a backup plan, maybe you have something else going at the same time, maybe, right? Like maybe there's all these other factors in place to catch you if and when you fall. And <clears throat> you don't fall so far, you don't hit the ground so hard, you know, and then you can kind of reroute or what they say in the business world is pivot right? If you can pivot quickly, you might be able to reduce collateral and, um, you know, move on to another venture. But if you're talking to Helena, right, we've heard her story a while ago in the podcast, 100% all in, no backup, like not even knowledge that a backup was needed. So naive, right? Like, oh, it's just coconut water. You know, eight years later, like, 
going shelf to shelf, can to can next to Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, fingers crossed. And it's like, still no backup, you know? So some people have that, that personality where the fact that they could possibly be out on the street tomorrow, if that doesn't bother you, then you may be able to succeed. But for some people, for most people, right? Like that's something, that's a risk they're not willing to take. So the thing is though, you don't have to take that kind of risk in the stock market. Yeah. Like, I think I started with like, seriously, like five bucks, I think with, 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 with cheap, altcoins and that that was the thing for me it was like okay since i don't have capital since i don't have a thousand dollars i didn't i don't even like don't even have a thousand dollars to risk um like i'll go where i can right i'll go where my my people are and who who you know someone out there is also only has $5 and they're, they're investing in something. So go for something that isn't even a cent yet. And then your, your um, percentage of what you're putting in, you know, is, it can be, if you scaled that up, it'd be similar to what, what someone was putting in at a hundred times that rate. Right. So instead of putting a, a fractional, you know, share, of $5 into Amazon, right? Which gets you this small portion. It's not going to do anything, right? Take that $5 and go for something where it's not even a cent yet or a penny stock and then do something there or at the very least an ETF, right? So another disclaimer, um, the price doesn't necessarily mean the company is more valuable, that it has a higher market cap. It's to do with how many stocks it has released or in the case of crypto, how much circulating supply there is that determines the price. So the circulating supply and the demand, uh, just to clarify, because yeah. something that's just an example, let's say Bitcoin is at $30,000 now, something that's, I don't know, at $1 could still be technically worth more than Bitcoin. If there's a higher circulating supply of that coin, but there's more, people who have bought it i'm not sure i don't know i'm not sure how to explain it so it makes sense but the you need to take into account the supply of the stock or the coin depends what you're doing no 100 percent. you're right i love that um and and also i'm not saying i'm not saying that five dollars is going to do anything all i'm saying is mess around with something that doesn't mean anything if you lose it yeah Right, because most people are afraid of loss, right? We should be. If you're not afraid of loss, you are probably not going to be in a good position. No, but it depends on your perspective because you take, I mean, I know you're leading towards this anyway, but I'll just say um, if you take that loss as a learning experience, then, I mean, I, in a way, I don't mind if I lose money in the stock market because, yeah, I know I'll learn from it. I'll see what I did wrong. I'll analyze it. And it'll be a learning experience for next time. And I've already made, I don't know, like probably this is bad to say, but yeah, I've. No, it's not bad to say. Okay. I'm just saying, um, uh, 
sorry, I'll slow down a bit. My, I just realized my speaking has become quite fast. That's because you're so, excited about yeah, all the games. I am games. excited. I really am. <laughs> so, yeah, because of all the games I've made, I realistically, I am prepared to also lose it all in the stock market because that's where I gained it all. Well, so, won't Bitcoin eventually be worthless? What happens that? when they run out of Bitcoin? Okay, what do you mean by that? Do they so, make more coins? No, then there will be a limited supply. I think it will be mined out around the year 2100, a bit after that. So once it's all mined out, then you just have that limited supply there. So the price isn't determined by, by what you were saying. It's to do with demand. As long as people have a demand for Bitcoin, the price will stay there or increase. Mm -hmm. So right now, as an example, if demand stays the same, but the supply, since the supply is increasing every day because of Bitcoin being mined, then the price will go down, assuming the same demand. But once all the Bitcoin is mined out, then there's no more supply coming in. So even like a slight increase in demand would raise the price. <clears throat> Whereas, sorry, I'm rambling. But whereas a small increase in demand, but a high increase in supply would still make the price of Bitcoin drop. If that's making sense. Yeah, I'm listening. It's not rambling. You're, you're speaking. Okay. Um, so did that clear up a misconception, a misconception yeah. you had? Okay. Yeah. How did you view it? So, so maybe I can clarify more. So um, we will. Okay. There are certain things that seem to be true. We, we will reach um, the end of the, we'll reach the cap of Bitcoin after so many million coins are gone. To circulate and supply. Yeah. In circulation. Just like the yeah. US dollar, right? Yeah. Whereas the US dollar is being printed constantly, which is what ah. is causing its value. If, I mean, yeah. So this is where inflation comes in. Uh, this is why Bitcoin isn't really affected by inflation. Um, or won't be affected by inflation. It's a deflationary currency in the long term, whereas you have inflation in the US dollar or just paper fiat currency in general because there's constantly new supply being added, meaning there's more, in simple terms, there's more money with too few goods, which causes the price of those goods to increase. Mm -hmm. So inflation, yeah. Um, and carry on. Um, the, the value at that point, since demand, well, okay, maybe I lost the point where is it is more created or is it just 20 million in circulation or whatever? Uh, so Bitcoin, uh, the way it was programmed is there is a cap on the total amount that can be mined of Bitcoin. And currently, it's miners are progressing towards that amount. So let's say this is an accurate statistic, but let's say 80% of Bitcoin has been mined and there's still 20% to mine um, and is currently being mined. And it will be completely mined in around as I said, 2,120. But again, I'm not sure of the accurate um, time of it. And 
once it's all mined out, then it will stay as a limited supply. So since there will be a limited supply and there will be no more entering the market, so to say, um, you can assume some people will also be losing their Bitcoin. Maybe it's due to hardware faults and they didn't back things up. So over time, some Bitcoins will just become inaccessible, which will mean that the supply reduces. And assuming demand stays the same, but supply reduces, the price of Bitcoin goes up, which is why it is considered deflationary. And we do have um, lost coin. Like, yeah, yeah. we know that people got locked out of their account, can't, died with Bitcoin, you know, devices lost. Um, so that's, that's definitely a reality. And from what I'm aware, I think Arthur and I were talking about if if the if it reaches five hundred and seventeen thousand a coin, the U.S. will pick it up as a currency. And what was the reasoning behind that? That's the, I guess I don't know. But Arthur, that's something Arthur found that 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 is something they need to happen, but for them to take it seriously. I mean, I agree for taking it seriously, but the problem is I'm not sure how the transaction fees have changed since 2017, because in 2017, once Bitcoin was like at around $20,000, it had pretty bad transaction fees. I think I remember doing a transaction which cost just $5 just in a fee for the transaction. So realistically, if they haven't fixed that, I think they have done things for it, but I haven't been following the um, innovations and the, what has been implemented into it. But assuming this may also repeat at, let's say, $500,000, when Bitcoin is at $500,000, it won't be realistic for it to be used as a currency if the fees are too high. So the problem with the fees would need to be solved. And then maybe I would agree with yeah, what you said. So let's back up a second. We're making a lot of assumptions here that, that we know what crypto is for. And Arthur and I talk about this a lot. What exactly would someone, in, why would they invest in crypto and why is the world using an open source currency? What does that even mean? First, I'll start off with, I'd like to start off with why example for why they use it. Because Zimbabwe, as an example, its currency has really, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, but use um, use an, you use a financial term. It okay, hyperinflation. So its currency is near worthless. Sure. And yeah, uh, so not a personal in, attack on Zimbabwe, yeah, yeah. it's, it's so, a financial reality. Uh, people in Zimbabwe, I remember, had started using cryptocurrency because, yeah, the like in Zimbabwe every day the money they had would lose value. So if you put that money into cryptocurrency, then you would no longer be losing so much to inflation. So, in a way, uh, one use, just like that was a very like niche, I guess, example. So it can be used as a store of value. 
but then it can okay i'll give another example if you're in the us and you want to wire money to someone in zimbabwe there would be for one i think it would take several days for that money to arrive and there would be i believe fees on it as well whereas with bitcoin it would arrive basically instantly or maybe within a few minutes and with low fees so that's another advantage and now what you said open source right yeah so open source is you can you can see the code for bitcoin how it works there's the white paper that explains also how it works but i'm not sure maybe you'd even explain open source better than me actually um, um well let we can compare my only understanding of open source is like linux um uh github it's it's a it's a community resource and the community is the world the accept, the known accessible world uh if you can access it it's it, it's open source i like that and that you know all the inner workings of it as well i think that's important to clarify yeah there's no there's no secrecy there's nothing confidential involved in open source exactly yeah i like that how you explain so that's what crypto is and you know arthur doesn't like he was telling me he doesn't under he doesn't understand the value he doesn't see the value in it like what are we what are we doing what are we getting for a thing so bitcoin is fairly limited in what you can do as i said the examples i gave was a store of value so it could be something maybe if you don't want to invest in gold or silver or maybe you want to diversify uh just in case i don't know maybe you think the us economy may may go into a recession and then you're putting money into gold and silver you can also put money into bitcoin as an alternative as a store of value so that's one thing the other thing as a transaction i think for basic things like in your local area sure i i don't think i see value in a tiver but then you can go to other other coins which use the blockchain and other variations which actually have value in terms of you have a as an example ethereum you have smart contracts once you record a contract it cannot be changed so forever be available it cannot be altered um so from what i remember i think even wait no actually i won't say this because i'm not this is just something i heard while i was at a job interview so maybe okay no maybe it's not well then you can you can just preface it with that okay so something i heard at a job interview um they were explaining what they were using the blockchain for and they said that contracts made using the blockchain can be actually used in a legal court case because well really yeah yeah because of what i said before where records cannot be altered like how contracts are currently done where maybe someone like signs it in real life like sign a piece of paper then can that piece of paper be lost or yeah like maybe other things can happen to it whereas with blockchain it cannot be lost and it cannot be altered 
Um, so something like if you're buying a house, I've seen uh, cryptocurrencies for specifically for buying houses. So contracts for buying houses, there's things like you can track, there's a way to track. Wait, no. Okay. I don't, I'm going to stop talking about it because this is something I researched three years ago. So I may not remember it accurately. So I don't want to be spreading misinformation, but I would just say it's use a complicated, cases. yeah, it's yeah. a complicated subject. There's use cases in charity, in charity work, in healthcare, in, as I said, um, housing uh, contracts. There's, yeah, a lot of things. And it's something I think you could do a better job of researching for yourself instead of listening to me trying to explain. You'd find a lot more value in that. So, yeah, I'm just giving examples. Now, uh, maybe there's an easier example in digital currency can be used as a, a medium, uh, as a, a middleman. So buying things online. Yeah, escrow. There, I think there's the numbers going. Yeah, yeah. There's numbers going around the world as currency and crypto is a, a way to, yeah, be a, a, be a channel a mediumship. So from one company to another, the, the crypto can, can guarantee that the supply chain kind of stays legit. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one way that made sense to me. Yeah. Literally, um, my Robin hood crashed. That does seem to happen. I thought, Oh, there it goes. It's back again. Dang. The Doge coin just doesn't stop. <laughs> you love looking at your money go up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but and then in the same swing though, if they're you know, if it's not if it's not sustainable, it'll just fall again. You know, right? Like Bitcoin never fell after its last what? It hasn't fallen, it just keeps going higher. But they rise and fall. It's tempting, right? Because I could get out now and I'd have made some money. Mm -hmm. But if you stay in, maybe you can retire. <laughs> it's weird. <clears throat> but it's, it's, um, I decided not to do the individual company route. Uh, so I was doing well with individual companies. I have, I, I guess I have a, a I enjoy looking at charts and graphs and, and seeing fractals. And um, they say that uh, a graph of a company will be a fractal and that, that you, can, you can predict what the graph is going to do, what those squiggly lines are going to do. And um, I don't know. I've done well with individual companies, but I decided to just do ETF and not so just do long-term safe low risk and not do not worry about anything else um you know i don't i don't have the capital to to do day trading um all the time probably so yeah yeah so yeah i don't know um i'm just excited about it because i'm just learning about it right and I wish, I wish someone had told me sooner. 
that there's a way better, the way better way to use the money that's in your bank account. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily just have to sit in your bank account and then you can, you can get it back uh, from an ETF if you don't want to hold it in there anymore. You sell your ETF if you don't feel comfortable or something, or you need that money in emergency, you take it back, right? I don't know what that ha- what happens. I've never, I mean, I've messed around with that as a test to use Robinhood. I just was like, okay, will I get this $100 back? And so it, I tested it out and it took like three days and the money was made available and said, you can now take this money back, right? You can withdraw it into your bank account or withdraw it from Robinhood and deposit it in your bank account. So once I've, once I realized that it, it can work, um, but with ETFs, there's probably, let's say you had your money in an ETF for two years and let's say you had like $5,000 in an ETF and you decided to like all of a sudden you needed that money for an emergency, you would be taxed, right? And then, but you could sell your ETF shares. Mm-hmm. And then you would be taxed on because the ETF went up. Let's say the ETF went up, right, right, whatever, for a few years. Um, so it's probably not, you probably wouldn't make anything in the end if it was only short term. But is that right? Like, I'm I mean, entering so in. So it's on the, you're taxed on the gains, right? Yeah. So I guess you're still making some money at least. Yeah. If it's just, yeah, tax on gains. Yeah. Whereas if you had that money sitting in a bank account, if it was in a checking account, wouldn't have done anything. I mean, you're losing money because inflation rate is higher than the savings rate, saving interest rate. So either way, you're, you're losing value on your money. The value of your money is decreasing. I think that's a better way of phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess a, a one thing that I've learned that's good to know is uh, you can't really, you shouldn't really start investing if you have a bunch of credit card debt, right? You want to, yeah, yeah. you want to pay that debt first, um, get all your APR debt out of the way, and then uh, and just say the reason for it so the listeners can understand. So in a credit card, um, if you don't pay it back after the month is over you'll and it, it has an apr percentage fee really like uh you know expensive credit cards means that they give you good percent money back but their apr is like 20 to 30 percent or something right 20 to 25 percent so that means you're taxed uh or you're you're penalized that percentage on your overage uh if you don't pay your your fee so if you have a $5,000 credit card fee uh, statement at the end of a month and uh, there's a 20% APR, they're about to bill you. Not only do you owe the, the 5000 still, but you owe 20% of 5000 and they'll charge, let's say you stop using that card and then don't pay it off either. Just every month, 20% and they'll just keep billing you and taking it right out of your account. So money that was going into the ETF is worthless because you're losing money from the bank, yeah. from your credit card. Um, exactly. 
it's just not enough money in the stock market to to come out as a as a, a positive. You're still in the negative and continuing um, to be in the negative. So um, credit cards come first, um, utilities come first, rent comes first, you know, car comes first, food, and anything, if there's a, if there's a, a little portion somewhere in there, that's the one that you save. Um, if there's some, if, if there's a luxury that you don't need, if there's, if there's something you can reduce from your spending, uh, for example, the, uh, the reason I started investing was because I took $60 a month out of my expenditures because I was buying $60 a month of beer and I took that away. So I had a positive $60 started. I downloaded Robinhood and then I started to put that deposit that into my Robinhood bank account and then play around with that. Um, so before Do Doge, my everything was going up. I was increasing, right? So instead of buying beer and instead of losing the money to the bank from inflation, the US, the, the world has this thing that just, it, it's like a revolving machine that is churning out money. And sometimes it goes down, sometimes it stays the same, sometimes it goes up. And it does all of that within a, 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 a day period. It'll go down, it'll go up, and it'll stay the same. And it'll open at something, and then it'll close at something. And then all of that is charted from weeks, months, years. And um, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Realistically, the reason why investing in something like the S&P 500 is actually a safe thing to do is because if the S&P 500 was to collapse, then that basically means the US economy has collapsed. Right, so, so either way, the, the money, yeah, you put in. If you would have kept that money, it would have been like worthless anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if the, if the and, and that's an interesting thought, like if this, we've, society is now built on the, the stock market. Economy. So that shift happened. Well, so the, the stock market started in 1812, I believe. Um, I don't know the, I don't know the history of it. I know I Googled, when did this thing start? And so since then, since the, since 1812 or whatever, this is companies have made a, a part of themselves publicly available and I don't know. It's like another way of being an entrepreneur or like being part of a company. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're part of a good company, then like they treat their, all the people within the company. Um, well, it's like being part of a body. And if that body gets healthier and stronger and more muscular. Um, then you thrive as well. Yeah. And if you're a cell, if you're a, a, if you're a vein, if you're a part of the tissue, then something about you improves as well. And that's, you know, all relate compared back to your, your money. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So yeah, that's just kind of 
uh, it's, it's a cool thing to talk about. I think this, this, this show really talks about like what we're doing, what we're interested in, you know, and um, who we're talking to. And I guess that was just a, one way to open up the new year. Um, we'll get into a fear next time, but um, I don't know. I think people self mastery, discipline, liberation, meditation, Zen, that whole field of self mastery wealth is is not outside of it wealth is right inside of it and and if you're not living in a cave you're probably paying bills um if you're like 99.99% of people you have a family you're just you know you eat food you wear clothes you need shoes you know so that is a part of it and while we're learning about ourselves and our mind and the psychology of reality and what we're doing in this life and what it all means, we, we want to, we want to improve every area and, and financial wealth a lot. It doesn't necessarily bring you happiness, but it gives you the means for freedom, mm -hmm. um, uh, physical freedom, psychological freedom is different. Most of the show has been about psychological freedom. No matter what happens to you outside of you, you can still be content. But um, you have a greater, a greater means of, uh, of physical capacity and psychological capacity if you're financially secure. And the reason I was able to be sustained in an organization for 12 years and not have to worry about money is because that organization did the, play the stock market. And it, and it, that's really something I would not have expected to hear that monks would, yeah, we're investing in the stock market. Well, my guru really is, is a mathematical genius. He just wow. sees numbers and, and in the air and can calculate things. And <laughs> he understands economics and he he helped build that that organization um when he was coming up as a young monk so what does that mean i mean that allows us to worry about other things that takes off one of the worries right right like we have a list of things to worry about or be concerned about in this life finance is one of them if we can check that off the list and run that part of our life smoothly in the background, we can then, you know, really start to concentrate and focus on other things that are more important. And it's, it's, it's a paradox because I just put that in a hierarchy of values. And at the top was financial freedom. Everything else was coming after. And so if we can move that to the bottom so that it's a background running autonomous engine working on its own and we have some sense of financial security, then everything else can take priority until that's the case. We have to then add that in with, you know, um, psychological freedom and self mastery. And, you know, you have to meditate before you go to work, but if you can have some sense of freedom, um, you know, your meditation won't necessarily be bombarded by, well, I've got bills to pay. I've got this to pay. You know, you can make things a little easier on yourself. And 
um, that's what the monks wanted for their monks, right? That's what the organization wanted for their people and their soldiers. They didn't want them to have to worry about money. And one of the commandments that started when they first started was no monk will ever have to worry about money and they will have whatever they need. So if we can do that, then we have a serious grounds for um, mental energy and um, energy management. So this is all very important in this field. It, it's uh, Now, it's not important if you're a small percentage of individual and you decide to renounce. Like if you literally decided to give up your possessions, have no assets, and truly like remove yourself from the world or more balanced to that approach, live minimalist, minimalist and um, have very little possessions, have very little things and live simply. Those are options too. Um, but um, those are, those are more rare. Those are rare, but uh, then you don't really have to worry so much about that. You have to worry about physical safety, uh, warmth, food, you know, things like that, which we all have concerns. You're changing your concerns at that point. You're, you're transferring your concerns from, you know, um, how will my kids go to school and how will they live to, am I warm enough, you know, to sleep in this location? You know, do I, do I have enough sustenance, enough rice to, to, fill up, you know, for the next few days, like an aesthetic lifestyle monks in India, like the ones who are walking around the country naked, that's a different breed and they have a different list of concerns. They still have concerns. Um, and then having no concern at all means being subject to the elements, uh, and then to death. So because we're, we're born, we have a responsibility we have to then gauge that responsibility with values. Your responsibilities reflect your values. What you care about equals what you're going to need to worry about. So we want our worries and concerns and responsibilities to be manageable. And we want to attain some level of, of value, value upliftment. And whatever we value, we want those values to be uh, manage not manageable, but attained, achieved. We want to achieve those values. And then we want to move on to new values. So no matter where you are, you have responsibility. That's like the number one thing that life starts out at. Like a cell has a responsibility. If it doesn't, um, it does, it ceases to exist. So where you are, you know, it's good to know where you are on that, on that system or that structure of responsibilities and go from there and act accordingly. Nice. I agree with responsibility, but then the values is values like goals or values like goals. And no, um, goals would just be, uh, achieving like micro values. A value is just something you're is a, as a priority. Yeah, I guess so. If you look at goals as actionable items, but that the context there can be taken out too quickly. Yeah. 
It's a good, I mean, it's a good word. If you understand goals as in, um, you know, synapses, like brain firing from one thing to another, picking up my phone could be a goal. And then I put it down and I achieved several goals. So values are a macrocosmic way of looking at what we, what we care about, what we concern our focus and concentration on. Success in meditation is a value of mine. And it can be something you strive for, but no, you won't necessarily reach in life, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The, the bigger the value, um, the bigger the responsibility, the greater the risk of not achieving it. So then do you still need periodic, maybe short-term rewards while going towards that value? To Some people motivated? do. Okay. Some people do. Yeah. I would say most people do short-term goals. If it's too goal, if the goal is too big and it's too far away, uh, there's a higher risk of, of falling out. Because yeah, they, I guess maybe it's a paradox. Maybe there's a different word for it, but if you're setting, I would just refer to it as goals, you're setting goals and then maybe that you achieve in 10 years. Then once you've achieved it, I'm guessing, there will be like an emptiness, right? Because you've been working 10 years towards something and you were yeah. maybe fulfilled during those 10 years. But yeah, now that you've you, reached that point, now it's yeah. just emptiness. Yeah, if you, Which, if, you, yeah. if you place your identity in that goal, you will eventually lose because the goal will be met, the identity fully realized, and you won't be dead yet. And then that's where values differ, I'm presuming? Mm that that's where uh, the ability to manipulate your own value system comes in. <clears throat> Once you get a goal, you need to have the ability to pivot and get another goal. You can't, you can't be content um, because you'll eventually just like rot away in your own disgust. It's just not how we're built. Um, that's why millionaires and billionaires still wake up every day and, put clothes on they don't have to but they're they're alive when we're our consciousness forces us to evolve our consciousness forces us to to progress progress and improve it's it's built in the system and once you get your goal uh you'll realize at that moment that there's an, another goal it's not over yet but then at some point, won't you be questioning yourself if you're achieving like a goal, then you instantly go to another goal and then you achieve that, then go to another one. Then when you start wondering when that ends? Uh, yes, that's why the initial state is being and becoming. So you have the goal, yet you're, you're content at the same time, even if that goal is not All met. Right. So this comes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that your goal changes does not change your contentment. The fact that you don't get the goal or get the goal does not change your identity as to who you are. It just improves and compounds. It's a compound effect. It, it, it doesn't, uh, it, but it, it doesn't take away and it doesn't add to your, your spirit. If you, if you rest your identity in that, um, your goal setting is a, is a, a means to an end. 
because the identity is not in the goal it's in the journey yeah it's in the it's in the the striving that's that's where the secret of life is it's in the attempt which is where we can bring in failure next week and fear i mean fear fear. yeah fear oh yeah failure fear yes well let's talk about that next week yeah nice okay well um awesome thank you rokas as usual for for being chief operating officer and managing the podcast and getting me on the microphone and bringing us together um with multiple texts and (laughs) (laughs) multiple reminders like where are you (laughs) (laughs) while i'm I'm like glad that we got to do this again (laughs) staring at the coffee machine just having to feed the cat and like the clock is ticking away and I'm like, where did time go? Um, and thank you to listeners. Uh, we are excited to bring you content, whatever that may be for this year. 2020 was awesome. We did a, did we do a whole year of podcasts? I believe we did. Yeah. We started in 2019, right? We, oh, you mean, yeah, it's been over a year. We started, I think, end of September, 2019. Okay. So, hey, (laughs) pat on the back to you and I, forget everyone else. (laughs) Um, That's, that's cool. Cause that's consistency. And and, um, that, I think that, I think that means that this thing is kind of, we're getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm loving that. I love getting stuff out of my energy investment. So. Yeah, it's definitely helping me and it's, it's, I know it's been helping people around me as well, at least from what they've been telling me, which is really cool to hear that. Oh yeah. Big shout out. Helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to our listeners. Uh, I got a great message the other day that said, Hey, your, your podcast like saved my life. It, it, it gave me concepts that I never heard of when, I was facing like rock bottom. And so that kind of stuff is always helpful to hear. And um, we don't have a lot of people email. We, we get, I get a lot of messages, uh, text messages. It looks like our audience is not the email type. Um, I get stuff in person. So I, I remember we, uh, some of my articles or something I produced in Denver reached the u.s and i was walking around denver with helena once and someone was like hey you're the guy you're the meditation guy (laughs) are you raj (laughs) (laughs) that was cool but it's stuff like that i was just talking to john um who we had on the show recently about that um it's it's the the results the feedback um the 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 people that are like hey the the depression I was going through, the suicide I was thinking about, the hate that I had inside me, those people are getting help, and that is like, okay, we're doing something right. Let's let's tr- let's try to keep going because, you know, I'm already satisfied. Like we've helped one person by now, so that's that's always my benchmark, and then I'm, you know, I'm satisfied. Um, but uh, I guess this year we'll try to go for one other person. <laughs> We'll go for as many as we can. <laughs> as many as has come. And, and um, so thank you, Rokas, and, and uh, look forward to uh, another year of discussions.
as I said before, really glad to be doing this with you. And thank you as well, Raj.